0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back! Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. It's been a, it's been a little bit of a minute, uh, so I'll talk you through the the saga. Uh, for those of you who have not been following me on Instagram, I uh, originally bought a few mics because I wanted to kind of upgrade the podcast as such, kind of get a little bit better audio quality and and things and whatnot. Um, so. I ordered a new podcast, which was the Rode NT1, I think, or the N1, which ended up being um, a little bit more specific for vocals, a little bit more specific for using your music and things like that because you had to plug it into an audio interface. And obviously me getting scared of big words um, immediately backed away from the word audio interface. And I was like, oh my God, I can't be dealing with that. So I immediately uh, sent that one back. And then got myself a little refund. and But in the process, I also bought the Rode podcasting mic. So it's called the Rode Podcaster, and this was like a USB mic. So for those of you guys that don't know much about mics, you have certain um, connections. So you have like a USB, so it's actually like a plug and play, which is super, super easy. That's all I've ever used. I used a, the, the, the Blue Snowball mic originally, which is just a plug-in, um, 50 quid thing. And it, it's got good sound. It's got good sound, especially when you manipulate the audio a little bit. Um, I then kind of wanted the upgrade I wanted to get something a little bit better a little bit more professional so I got the Blue Yeti uh, which is again another USB mic which I I used for a very long time I think I used that for about a year Um, got a lot of good use out of it but I I wanted to upgrade Um, but then I got that Podcaster mic um, and it came it actually came faulty which I think is a blessing in disguise it was very very annoying at the time because at this point I'd already sold my old mic so I was very very keen to get a uh a podcast that will get onto podcasts as I've been asked to go on a few podcasts through, throughout the uh, throughout the weeks, but I was unable to because I didn't have my mic. I mean, of course, I got to use the headphones and whatnot, but I don't even have Apple headphones anymore. I'm looking around my desk as we speak and I'm struggling to find any because um, I haven't seen any floating around this house for a while. Um, so then I kind of thought, okay, cool. I've, I've sent back the road 1. Um, I've sent back the podcaster mic. What do we want? Let me actually get in and research this, so I kind of just went, what does Joe Rogan use? And uh, alas, here we are, I have Joe Rogan set up. <laughs> um, so I ended up going with the Shure SM7B mic, um, which is a very, very good mic. I'm hoping the quality is coming across here nicely. Um, I- I'm not going to play with the sound at all, so this is literally just recorded from the mic. hope you can appreciate it. you're probably going to hear some bird sounds, because the mic is pretty good and i got the doors open. Uh, you'll probably hear a low-level hum. Of the refrigerator let's see if it's there I wonder if you can hear the fly on there That's a good mic isn't it um, this is attached to the road boom arm um, which is also attached to my table but more specifically to the mic is attached to an audio interface which is the exact thing that I was scared of with the first mic uh, because I realized that the audio interface gives you a little bit more mobility with sound so I can do this while we're talking and I can turn it. Down. In fact, I think I turned it off then, so you probably didn't even hear me. Uh, but it is what it is. I got a little bit more control over the gain, which is the input, um, and a little bit of control with the output because I've got my headphones. Uh, I put in some audio interface, so I can now hear myself through my headphones, which I've got on, to ensure the quality is there. So it's it's been a bit of a saga. there has been about three, four weeks in the making, but we're here. And obviously, with with COVID nineteen floating around, um, it's been a little bit slow in terms of delivery. So, but we are here now, and. Uh, Let's kick off the way we should have kicked off a few weeks ago. Yummy. Got ourselves a white monster. Um, 3D's back. 3D is back in the UK. Um, they went to, not. in fact, I'm not going to tell you where they are. If you want to find out, message me, I'll find out. But Insight will be stocking them very, very soon, which I'll post up on the uh, the old story. Because um, quite frankly 3D energy is, is the best energy drink I've ever tried I've tried rain I've tried monster And they're all a little bit watered down Compared to uh, 3D which is just fine It's fine but you know 3D's not been in the UK for a while To be fair I, when my calories are super high I'm not too big on, on energy drinks But obviously going through the mini cup At the moment uh, I'm finding that affinity for, for, for those drinks again um, I think I'll just touch on a little bit on the mini cut update. See where I am. Give you an update where you guys, anyone who happens to give a fuck, um, and then I'm going to talk about two little topics um, that I wrote down throughout the week that so I, I wanted to kind of talk about in, in terms of. Um, in fact, I'm not going to go into them. I'm just going to tell you about my mini update, and I will, we'll go into them. And then we'll do a little bit of q and A Q&A at the end, and hopefully, get a little bit more value up to, you and these these will become more regular again now that we have the mic. All right, so first up, mini cut. Started at 117 kilos about eight weeks ago. Um, I've literally lost a kilo a week. Um, so I'm 108.5 ish at the moment. I was a little bit heavier this morning. Um, but I've had a little bit of tummy trouble, a little bit of constipation in the last couple of days. I'm not sure what it is. I've been eating a little bit more red meat. I, I, I feel like it might be that. Um, it's left me a little bit bunged up in the morning. <laughs> so gross, isn't it? But normally I'm a wake up and, and go, dude. At the moment, I've been awake up, have a little one have my pre-workout, train, and then go, dude. Um, So it's affected that morning weigh-in a little bit, obviously, because feces weigh, (laughs) feces have weight. So when you relieve them, (laughs) you have less weight of body. Um, But yeah, like I said, I was uh, 108.5 kilos. My calories have gone down from about 5,200 and 4,500 on training day and non-training days. Two, at the moment, I'm about 3-3 on training days and about 2-9 on non-training days. So I've taken a good 1,500 off, off my non-training days. Uh, I've taken a good, th- two, a good couple thousand off my off my training days. And and ultimately, that's something that I've sort of realized about my physique is that in, for me to gain a lot of muscle, I need to eat a lot of fucking food. For me to lose a lot of body fat, I need to lose... I need to eat a little bit of, like, low amounts of food whenever I'm on... on uh, Whenever I'm competing, whenever I'm in that process of, of of going through a cut, I gotta go low, and that's just the way it is. And the genetic uh, it, it divisions or the the individual genetic components that eating actually play. Like I know people who can diet on two thousand seven hundred calories and get shredded. I remember George Osborne, he, so he didn't get below like 2,400, 2,500 calories or something, and he's like one hundred and. With respect, George, if you're listening, like 160, 70 pounds soaking wet or something. Like, I'm not saying there's a small dude. He's a, he's like he's quite short as well, so obviously he's going to be low weight. But that considering he's that much lighter than me, considering I'm like 250, like I'm 90 pounds heavier than he was. Um, well, I, okay, take my competition weight, still 40, 40, 50 pounds heavier than than he was, and I had to get down to like 1800 um, and more cardio and more steps. So there's very much an inter An interpersonal difference in terms of how one can eat. Uh, I remember a friend, massive dude, Ryan, his name is, uh, 2,600 calories. He'd be growing like a weed. He was like 105 kilos and it would grow easily just because he had those in eggs that he didn't need to eat as much, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not like that. So I'm about there. Uh, 25 minutes of cardio has remained unchanged on non training days. um, So that'll be today. Uh, Steps have gone from 6,000 informally. So just trying to guess around six thousand to ten thousand formally so knowing you gain ten thousand um, i actually don't track my steps i track my strain so i use the whoop app um from my whoop band which is a uh, a fitness tracker um, and i'll actually just quickly go into the fitness tracker um aspect of the or of the uh of the whoop band because a lot of people have got the aura ring a lot of people have got the whoop band a lot of people have got the fitbit and apple watch in my opinion fitbit and apple watch sorry in my opinion fitbits rubbish I, the only thing it's good for it is counting steps the heart rate's always off Especially when you get sweaty, um, the calories are irrelevant. Apple Watch much more um, sophisticated than than the Fitbit. Obviously, it's tuned into your phone, so you don't have to have your phone on you the whole time when you count your steps, which is really really nice. Um, it does track your heart rate variability, which is the, the the time between heartbeats a little bit differently on a different scale than say um, what the Woot Band does or what the Aura Ring does. I can't remember the differences, but from what i remember hearing it's actually a little bit better to get it done on the ordering and the whoop and the whoop band um but they also also offer a very good insight into your sleep they'll measure your your sleep waves they'll measure where your heart rate is the whoop band now measures your breathing rate so you can see when you're in deep sleep because we know breathing rate slows down when you're in a deep sleep so you get more and more accurate uh information and the good thing about these like technology companies and and these apps and these bands and and the tesla i should say as well is that you can now update it through an update through an app update you know you can update your tesla through an app you can update my woot band my woot band now measures my breathing rate when i first got it it didn't measure my breathing rate nothing's changed i haven't sent this off anywhere they've just put more software on the band through the updates which is which is really fucking cool um but i prefer a band over a ring i'm not a big ring wearer i think i saved my rings for my wife my future wife um amy if you're listening (laughs) <laughs> um but I do really like it. Like it's comfy, it's 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 interchangeable bands, uh, it's super easy to charge, you don't need to take it off the charge. Uh, you do have to pay like $30 a month for it. And the order ring is like 240 Euros, I'm inclined to think. Uh and that's a one off payment. Obviously the woot bands you've got to pay because they're constantly updating. I mean they're updating the order ring as well, to be fair, but I do think there's a little bit more comprehensive. In fact, I shouldn't say that it feels like there's more comprehensive information uh, tracking software on the woot band for athletes um but I can't say that I've followed the ordering software apps I've never even used the app I've just seen it so i'm not in a I'm not really in a in a in a place to comment but the woot band seems very much geared towards athletes which i really really like it measures your strain it tells you when you're primed for recovery it tells you all these different things So I do really really enjoy it. Um, so I've been going off my strain off my whoop band reverting back to where we were talking about steps so it gives you like a strain it measures your heart rate all day it tells you how much strain your heart has been through tells you how much strain your body's been through based off what you've been doing you plug in a bit of information about what you've done throughout the day and it will just get more accurate as you go along Um, so I I aim for a minimum strain so at the moment my strain for anyone who's got a whoop band probably not very many people listening but for my strain on my rest days is about nine to ten so I try and aim towards 10 on my rest days and just keep that the same. And then when I get told to bump up activity, cardio, whatever it is, I'll just bump up a couple notches on the strain. And then when I'm training, my strain is about 14 or 15. The maximum strain you're supposed to be able to get is about 20, 22 or something. So it gets like incrementally harder as as you go up up the scale. Um... That's pretty much it, like I'm eating the exact same foods, I don't really show the foods I eat on my YouTube channel, on my my Instagram that much, even though people are very, very interested in it, because the food I eat is just standard shit, it's standard shit, man, like, bagels and whey, chicken, rice and veggies, you know, and even a meal my mum makes, like, it's nothing special, I definitely should go through a little bit more on the food food side, because people are so interested in it, but... Types of food have not changed, just the calories, and, 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 I've, and I've lost a little bit of weight. And, I, and and if I'm honest, I'm not as lean as I thought I was going to be. Like, I thought I'd be leaner. I know I'm 108, and I know I'm, last time I started my prep, I was 107. So I'm a kilo, I'm 1.5 kilos heavier than when I started my prep, and I am, like, at least 7 or 8 kilos lighter. Like, I didn't look this, I didn't look this lean last time until I was about 98 kilos. So I had to lose like 9, 10 kilos. So I reckon I'm 9 or 10 kilos up in muscle. That's how it seems in my head. I appreciate it's probably some of it's going to come off at some point. But that's how I feel in my head. And we obviously still got another blast towards the end of the year, which I'm excited for. So just in terms of the drugs, in terms of things like that, um, because we've given you that full update of the mini-cut. I I basically started my mini-cut eight weeks ago. And I started a modified cruise um, eight weeks ago. So I basically, I was on like 400 milligrams of testosterone because I was mid-blast. Um, still not that high to be fair um, And I only got to like week 10 on that blast So I did like f- I did like 8 weeks I literally did 8 weeks of 300 milligrams of testosterone Which is only 50 milligrams more than I ever started on uh, And I was doing 150mast Just to kind of keep a little bit of aromatized Control there And I was doing 150mpp um, Which is basically enangelo it's a uh, fast acting Decker basically but 150, 150, 300, so pretty pretty darn low considering the the, co- the multitude of compounds. I then bumped to like 400, 200, 200 for two weeks, and then lockdown happened, and then we just said, okay, cool, like, we've made some decent gains, like I still gain, I still got up to like 117, which is 10 kilos heavier than I've ever been off just that, so we said step back, get healthy, um, we were going to extend maybe to 20 weeks, so I missed out on 10 weeks of that blast, so... In my head, I already had that trade off on health under under the belt this year, so i'm I'm sort of willing to push it a little bit harder towards the end of the year with a blast because I'd kinda of missed out on a little bit and I appreciate that's probably not necessarily the best way to go about it, but ultimately, this game is about how much you're willing to give up and how much you're willing to sacrifice on your health um and just having that real like about a long like I did what you did I think it was like. January the 9th or something I started and we'd stopped by Beginning of March, you know, so I, I hadn't had loads of time on it and, and since then I've just been cruising a little bit higher than TRT So TRT for me is about one two five milligrams of testosterone a week, and I usually split that over two two injections But I've been doing three injections at 150. So I'm probably gonna be If you look at the scale, I'm probably I'm probably still gonna be in the natural scale maybe very very slightly um, above the natural scale, if if the testosterone is 100 it, but I'm pretty sure it is because we've had my test done on this on this same brand and it is fine, um, and I run 300 milligrams of primobolin So Primabolin is, I mean, I don't like to say it's a weak drug because they still are going to have effects on you, but primobolin is usually run in excess of like four, five, six hundred milligrams. So at the moment, I'm just running uh, 50 milligrams and 100 milligrams of test and primo, and I do that three times a week. Um, the thought process was basically because we we had that period of time when we were, I'm technically still be supposed to be blasting now I should be fucking 125 kilos right now but instead we mini-cut use the primo to really support the muscle mass and the strength um, and then just stay just on that high end of the scale so I still can progress and still kind of gain and gain tissue I'll 100% be gaining tissue as well on this lockdown which has been cool um, Probably going to run that until the end of June, um, which will make that eight weeks on a modified cruise um, No, it would make it 12 weeks on a modified cruise So that would be 10 weeks blast 12 weeks modified cruise and then I'm going to do six to eight weeks on t- On full TRT and I'll go pretty low on the scale So I'll probably try and bang myself in the middle of the natural scale about 17 18 nanomoles, but and to do that, I'll probably try bring it back to where I was I was about 23 24 nanomoles when I was natural So I'll probably be on the high scale anyway um, We'll get bloods done We'll see how well I've done in terms of recovery, how good the bloods are or bad the bloods are, and we'll make an informed decision based off that. And basically, if they're bad, we won't do it. If they're sound, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll push on for a blast into August, September. Uh, August, September, October, uh, and probably look to wrap up. It's probably going to have to be a 12 to 16 weeker. Um, And then I'm probably going to go back down to TRT for the end of November, December, go away in December for a couple of weeks with the lady, hopefully we can fly, and then January we'll be prep time and we'll be fucking ready, and and then up the trend, we'll get it in, and we'll see what happens, <laughs> not actually, uh, but we'll see what happens. That's a little bit of an update, we're in about 20 minutes there, or just under 20 minutes before I ran out of things to say about my mini cut and my drug use, um, but yeah, like I'm going to go on to a little bit of a, a topic, I don't know how long these two topics are going to take, I've got. Four words for one topic and I've got six words for the next topic So the first topic, after I ship on my monster Just at the end of it now It's a little bit flat Not as nice as I thought it was going to be So the first day First uh, topic is going to be compounding days Like interest That's what I've got right there And now I don't know where I was introduced to this this concept. I don't know whether I even just thought of this concept myself. You know, I'm sure people have thought of this concept. I'm sure it's a concept in in life, and I'm sure many people have thought about it before. But the first time that it came to my head, I'm struggling to recall right now. But the the, the, the idea of it is is say you've got your 365 days of the year. Of those days, which of those days have you remained? consistent to the goal which of those days have you remained focused on the goal which of those days have you worked towards the goal now m- motivation come and, comes and goes but what you can do when motivation's not there is going to help define the result now the way I think about my days is every day is compound interest every day you can knuckle under the belt that you've put that step towards where you need to go is another day towards that that end goal and out of those 365 days. I'm trying to hit 364 of those days that are positive, you know, because they're going to compound on each other day in, day out. And that's bodybuilding. It's momentum. It's compounding day on day on day. It's stringing together very, very successful in terms of bodybuilding, in terms of specifically bodybuilding. It's 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 it's, it's about stringing together very, very good sessions. It's about stringing together very, very good uh, caloric surplus. It's about stringing together very, very good recovery and doing that for as long as possible. And the person who does that for the longest, most consistently, consistently, you know, removing the idea of genetics and stuff, if we all had very, very similar genetics and we all had exactly the same everything except for the amount of days that we compounded together and the consistency that we could put together, they're going to get a better result. That's just that's just the way my brain is thinking. And they're going to get a better result. And that is sort of how... sort of how I've thought about my life for the last two years. It's like... How many of these days in a row have I managed to give value to people on Instagram, on YouTube, on my clients? How many days in a row have I put what I need to put into the gym? You know, I have bad days. I have bad days and, and those don't count towards my compound interest. But the least amount of bad days that I can have, the better. And that's how I focus on my life. And it's just about how... And it doesn't need to be over the year. It needs to be over a week. It needs to be over the day. How much of that day was put towards what you need to possibly do? Did you do six hours of work that's going to make you go further? Great, that's some compound interest. Stick it in the bank, you know. And these little, these little, you know, blocks of time, these little blocks of consistency, they add up and they compound and they compound. And 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 much like compound interest, as soon as you stop investing into it, the interest stops, and and the progress stops. And it's a very, very similar mentality with with like compounding money, which is I assume was where that click came from. Me, I think I might have even been looking at how to compound money over time and put it into ISIS and stuff, and it kind of went, "Oh wait, this is like bodybuilding. You gotta get as many of these good days, as many of these days where you're earning money, or in in our case, you know, being consistent, and you're gonna add to a more rich, more wealthy lifestyle, or in bodybuilding, you're gonna get to a better physique, a, a cleaner physique, and a better physique quicker." Now. I realize it's probably not a unique way of thinking. I'm probably sure people have said this in a hundred different ways, but this is just how it made sense in my head. And and it's how I've been able to let go of those bad days much easier than, than say other people because I've got this ability to... I've personally got this ability to just dead things, right? I can just go, all right, cool, it's done. And and, and there's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing, right? Because you can just seem emotionless and smileless sometimes. But ultimately... If you've had a bad day of interest, you've had a bad day of of, of tr- trades in the stocks, you cannot do anything. It's done. Let's have a good day the next day. You know what I mean? I realize that stocks and shit are a little bit out of our hands and you have to know a little bit some, some different things, but the concept of it, right? The principle of having a bad day of compound interest. Compound interest is not about having a bad week. It's not about having a bad year. It's about having as many good days over a long, long, long period for you to prosper compound interest works over 10 years 15 years 20 years compound bodybuilding works over 10 years 15 years the person who is the most consistent for the longest is going to have the best results and, and 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 i just thought it was quite an interesting concept to talk about because it, it, it having that mindset about building good days uh, amongst the bad days allows me to let go of those bad days so so much easier because i can be like oh this is so fucking I woke up on the wrong side. I've had, I'm in a bad mood. I'm oh, I just, you know, I, I've not been paid in however many, whatever it is. Oh, I've had a bargain with my boss. Oh, I just feel shit today. I'm dieting. It allows me to let go of those days because I know that I've put in six other days of good work this week. I went, like, you know what? I work my bollocks off Monday to Friday. Let me have these these, these two days of the weekend to, to not to worry too much about my compound interest because over the week, my compound interest is high. Cause I've got a five to two day, five five days of good, two days of, just, you know, and it's and it's this idea of, of having this this balance this way scale of of just tipping things in that compound, tipping things in that consistency, and then when something happens on that, on that negative scale, you've got so much on that left hand on that left hand scale in that compound box that it doesn't matter you don't even notice it. Over over the long period of time. Sure, you're going to notice it in the short term. But I thought no, I just thought that was something quite interesting. I don't know if any of you guys are going to take any value from that. But I thought that was quite interesting anyway. Uh, I'm going to leave that bit there. Um, the next thing is going to be how to create. How to think of new things. And this has been the bane of my fucking life. This has been the, one of the hardest things that I've struggled with. I have said many, many times uh, publicly to my parents, to my girlfriend, to just people in general. I don't feel like I'm a very creative person. I find like I struggle to find things that that are ingenious, that are new, that are fresh, uh, especially in a very, very saturated society. Uh, industry, sorry. In a very, very saturated industry, specifically fitness, of course, is saturated. How many fitness influencers are there? How many online coaches are there? How many are... How many people are there there like me, Tom, and Joe? Maybe not a lot, but I mean, there's going to be other people who try and emulate us. There are going to be people who we try and emulate, and there's a lot of people in there. So, I really struggle with this concept of how to create. And and a big, big part of my career, potentially the previous 90% of it, in terms of being online and creating social media posts, was largely uh, imitation Copying, (laughs) and then putting my own spin on it. Now I know what you're thinking. Don't copy people, but actually, you know, imitation is the very good form of flattery. Uh, And and I'll be very specific. The first person that I first copied, in terms of being, I think the first step of becoming who I was or who I am now, in terms of, like, I feel like I can take complicated bits of information, make them to bite-sized chunks, give good information, give clear, concise information be a bit, little, bit, little bit funny, be, you know, me. Like, you, you guys know who I am now, I would like to think. If you don't, get to know, come on. <laughs> uh, but I think, like, the first step of, of, of realizing that I wanted to provide information was looking at someone uh, called AJ Morris. Now, I don't know if anyone, everyone knows AJ Morris out there, but he is a, a world champion bodybuilder, natural bodybuilder. Um, and he always used to give these... Very clear, concise bits of information. Protein, this is what you should do. Mini cuts, this is what you should do. And I thought, "Mm, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I I actually first followed him and went, how the fuck does this kid got so many followers? He looks, you know, he's smaller than me. He's a typical meathead mentality. And I thought, what does he know? He's only 19 years old. And I was like 23 at the time. But alas, uh, lots to be learned from everyone, regardless of age, look, stature, um, anything like that. And and I started copying him. Full on, and I and I messaged him, and I said, yo, bro, I'm I'm going to copy you. I hope you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to try to put my own spin on it, but what you do is inspirational. Maybe it's one of the first messages I sent to him, and so what you do is inspirational, and you motivated me, and that's what happened. I copied him. I copied him, and, and I put my own spin on it. I said, how would I say this? I put it like that, and over the years, I found other people with different types of content, and then you, you sort of think maybe you could take a bit of that and and sprinkle some of that on and then i put my own little spice on it and, and and over the years you kind of develop this persona and 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 really it's only been until this last 6 months over my last like 3 years of doing instagram like properly uh, that i've began to try things that i've never seen before um i don't know if you guys i assume that people who follow, who listen to the podcast probably follow me quite a lot on instagram but you you, you know when i do the uh The front and, or no, not the front, or like the side to side photos. And I say, mini cut update, bulking update, cut update, competition prep update, start weight, finish weight, current macros, old macros, steps, and all this kind of stuff. Like, I I, I feel like I started that. I feel like I coined that. Now everyone does that. And that was one of the first things that I thought, this is how I want to see information. I want the answers like this. Show me what drugs do you use? Are you anabolics or not? Are you eating this much food or not? Tell me instead of having to go through a link to a YouTube video that's in the middle of the YouTube video I want. No, just tell me. So that was the first thing that I really started. And I thought this is what I want to see. This is how I want to digest information. And it just so happens that a lot of people want to digest information like that. So that's that's exactly what I had. Uh, that's exactly what I went ahead and did. Um, I think in more recent times things, I actually put up a YouTube uh, Don't get me wrong, you can't create new things every single week, every single day. It's not possible. You have to have your bread and butter and then sprinkle something new in. But yesterday, I put a new one up and I did a 60 second update, a 60 second mini cut update. And I said, These are my macros. These are, you know, I basically did the post, but in visual form for a video. And I got a really, really good response. We've got 8,000 views on that video in less than 12 hours. You know, I woke up this morning and had 7,000 views. It's 12 hours. Um, and and lots of comments saying great form of information because people digest information differently. Um and, and the key is to it to account for that and, and, and have information that gets digested in different ways. Some people love the visual. For me, I love things looking really fucking nice, you know? For when I'm digesting. Not necessarily the way I am, I'm a little bit rustic, but for example, TM cycles. I love that kid's content. You know, he's one of my best friends. uh, And I have admired his content since the first time I ever started following him and we weren't friends. And I've always said that to him. And the way he does things is amazing. I love digesting content like that. Um, but I also like long form, I also like short form, uh, and and I just like to adhere to those different things for different people. Some people like short, concise things, some people like the podcast, that's why you're here, you like the long form, you like me talking about things, explaining things. Some people like something a little bit shorter, so they go on, you know, and, and you've got to kind of think about the types of ways people digest information, and then just start thinking within those. Um, so I now know that 60 seconds, 60 seconds to explain something works, so guess what? My next post is probably going to be 60 seconds to explain a mini cut, 60 seconds to explain a competition prep, 60 seconds to, you know, and people are going to get their information in 60 seconds, and people are going to like it, because they like this first one, okay, they're not necessarily going to like it, but they like the first one, cool, that's the green light to try it again, let me try again, oh, another green light, once you've got three, it's a thing, once you've got three green lights, it's a motherfucking thing, I'm telling you, Um, so... The idea of creating something I, I, I truly believe comes with confidence And and for a huge portion Of probably everyone's Instagram career They lack confidence Until they are someone Who has an Instagram career And then they're like Wait motherfucker I earn money off this I live off this You don't get to tell me That, I, that I, you don't want to hear What I want to say anymore Because I'm earning I'm confident I can say what I want You know Now people see me as a leader Now people see me as uh, You know A leader of the in- no, I don't want to say that people see me a leader of new content or bodybuilding and you know, I would say the people who follow me think that not necessarily the whole industry uh, the industry as a whole and and that process took a long fucking time to get the confidence to do you know because i got people say what well, you you look like a bag of shit what are you doing that for you know well, my friends why are you giving people information Then you're just not a you don't know anything of this. You know this. You know that. You know, but it's taken the years, and guess what? Now they come and ask me for information. <laughs> um, but like I said, like creativity, in my opinion, can be learnt because naturally it never came to me. I never did well in art, or you know, thinking of DT projects, design technology, woodcutting, any like I found it really fucking difficult to think of new things. I still find it really difficult. I find it difficult to think outside the box. I find it difficult. To be practical with my hands, I find it difficult to make things. Um, but with a lot of fucking practice, with a lot of willpower, with a lot of confidence as well, and a lot of the willingness to be wrong and the vulnerability to be wrong and to be told that I'm wrong, and then to make it right, um, I feel like I'm getting there, right? i definitely not someone who's like Tom, uh, TM, TM Cycles, who can just see things much better he's got that OCD about him that makes things clean and 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 he can set a trend and not be afraid to set the trend and he can say things and not be afraid to say them like I'm not necessarily there yet Um, I'm not necessarily I want to be there but like in my own right I feel like I've gained some creativity and I've thought of some new things and, and they've worked and I'm very fucking proud of myself but it's taken a long time it's taken a lot of time a lot of imitation, a lot of regurgitating information. And ultimately, there's only so many things you can talk about in fucking fitness. So you've got to regurgitate things. So you need to be good at reinventing things. Reinvent that motherfucking wheel the best that you can. Uh, you know, you see someone, you do something, you, ah, you should have done that. Do it. Do it then. You know, don't, don't, you don't need to go tell them to do it. You could just do it yourself and, and make it better. And I think, I think, I, I, I do think that confidence plays a huge part in that. Um, it, it's it's just becomes the process of getting to that position where you're confident uh i'm gonna leave it on those two tips on those two uh those two um topics and whatnot we're gonna go through some q a's just uh to, to round up this podcast as we ease back in there's some questions here uh they're quite funny uh well, first question is do you think utrid son of utrid actor got on gear for the role so Utrid son of Utrid, who is father of Utrid, is from the last kingdom uh and it's just a program that me and my mum have been watching and it's absolutely is I do like it I do like it it's, I definitely don't think it's the best produced thing like a lot of people said oh my god it's absolutely amazing like, I don't think it's absolutely amazing but it's like kind of quirky it's kind of funny sometimes uh and, and we've been enjoying it so Uhtred son of Utrid definitely did not get on gear for that role he's fucking tiny in that role uh, well, who knows actually in Hollywood, who knows what they did? Maybe, maybe they brought some gear into it, a bit of anavar or whatever. But I, I can't imagine that that, that they would have done because he wasn't a big dude. Um, but you know, in, in in Hollywood, you just never know what people do for roles. You know, when they've got the best doctors in the world, they could probably do anything they wanted to. Um, so what's the difference between weight isolate um, and standard way? Standard way is normally just a blend of ways um, and a blend of amino's. Um, usually they come with a little bit more fats and they usually taste a little bit better. Um, I also find that the whey blend is a little bit heavier on the old stomach. So if you're someone who's maybe a little bit sensitive to whey, a little bit sensitive to lactose, maybe you kind of want to focus on bringing fats a little bit lower. So for me, when I'm in prep and my fats are low, I I want like the whey with zero fat because I'd rather my fats come from something else. Um, so... The main difference is digestion, digestibility, insulinogenic, like how insulinogenic one is. Whey isolate is pretty insulinogenic. Whey in general is pretty insulinogenic anyway, but whey isolate specifically, uh, a little bit less fat, probably a little bit easier to digest, but nothing, nothing crazy different. Um, into, uh, Hannah Brown asks, "Do you train all body parts, i.e., calves, arms, uh, with the same working set back off strategy?" So. Uh, every set is a working set. The word back off set probably should just be named slightly lower weight set. Like the back off is just it's just a random name. It doesn't mean anything too much to me or to anyone. I don't think unless I'm highly mistaken. But it just it's just it's just called a back off because you're just backing off the higher amount of weight. It doesn't, it's doesn't there's nothing special. So it's just another rep range that tends to be slightly higher, about twenty percent less than the top set. Um, but the reason why I probably would do a little bit more volume on things like calves, arms, is because there's a lot less going on, right? If you think about a bicep curl lifting above a dumbbell, coming up letting it come down again, coming up, letting him down, that energy demand versus, say, a big bench press or a big barbell row or a big squat is gonna be stark difference, right? You're gonna use way less energy, you know, exercising and flexing this this tiny little bustle, this tiny little bicep versus uh, a big back muscle, or you know, a full compound movement where your entire kinetic chain is used, there's going to be a lot less central nervous system demand, which is what these big compound movements do. So, the reason why we don't only do a couple of sets on these is because there's such big demand from your central nervous system, they fatigue you very quickly and they can make you feel that, oh, fuck, you know oh yeah, I'm wrecked, you know, that's that feeling of just being like, not necessarily your muscles hurting and you're super pumped and you can't do any more, but that feeling of, whoa, that was a hard session. That's more central nervous system fatigue. And if we did too many sets, like three, four sets on that in terms of a compound at too high of an intensity, don't get me wrong, you can do three or four sets on a compound movement, but you're not going to be training to failure, you're not going to be training anywhere near failure. But you're going to have a lot more central nervous system demand, And and your your ability to progress throughout that session is going to diminish if you do too much on those compounds. But ultimately, bodybuilding or growing a muscle or changing your physique to a certain extent, um, more building a muscle, is about how much deliverable volume you can get to a muscle. So, sure, when you do a pull-up, you're going to use your biceps. But how much stress is going to go to your biceps, how much is going to go to your back versus doing like an isolation bicep curl you're probably gonna get more in the isolation bicep curl but because there's less central nervous system demand because you're not lifting your whole body weight up retracting at the scapulas keeping your back straight keeping your core straight keeping your legs straight you're just bicep curling you can probably account for a little bit more volume and you can probably handle a little bit more volume without without ended up feeling fucked and you can probably recover from it because smaller muscle less oxygen needed less blood needed less movement needed less core needed, um, and essentially more volume handled. So in general, like a rule of thumb is, like if you're doing an isolation exercise, something that has less moving parts, um, you could probably afford a little bit more volume, maybe a few more sets, right? But again, you're going to have to gauge that as you go versus, say, a compound movement. So I hope that makes sense, um, and I hope that kind of clears up the whole back-off thing. I know people go, like a big question is, What's the benefit of me doing a top set? What's the benefit of me doing a back off? It's just the name. It's like you're just doing one heavier set, you're doing one lighter set, both at a failure. And You're making sure you hit a multiple multiple rep ranges because we know you can grow in both rep ranges. It's just the name. It's nothing. It's nothing special. Like I said, maybe I'm completely wrong. Who knows? Um. So another question is, um, how many mesocycles cycles would you run in a macro cycle? So a macro cycle is like a like a year. And a mesocycle would be like a couple months. And he's talking about training here. So we call training mesocycles like a uh, a small cycle of training over a two to three month period. And how many of those would you do in a year, the macro cycle? So I don't count macro cycles or mesocycles. I honestly just train as hard as I can for as long as I can until I kind of feel the accumulation of fatigue. And then I'll deload and I'll go again. So on average, probably looking at... One, two, three, a potentially four in a year. Looking at maybe like a three to four month cycle with a week off. So twelve to twelve to sixteen. Usually, I I have to have a deload after about ten to fourteen weeks. So about three months. Like every just let's just say for argument's sake, every twelfth week I'll take a week off. Yeah, I personally just allow that to be a scale. If I feel good at week 12, if I feel like a monster at week 12, I am not going to stop. If I feel absolutely broken and like I need to just rest at week 8, I'm going to rest. I'm going to listen to my body. My body knows more than what you can plan on a piece of paper over a mesocycle. You know, while I can appreciate the planning going into slowly acclimating your sets and slowly increasing that volume. But what happens if you get to week 4 and you feel like shit? What happens if you get to week eight and you're supposed to deload but you feel like you've not even touched anything yet? You know, I, I much prefer the scale of deloads and, and just having that internal focus as to when, when you think is ready rather than rather than something like you need to deload every six to eight weeks because we've programmed this. It, it doesn't make as much sense for me. I'm going to wrap this video up. Um, and by video, I mean podcast. <laughs> My brain's over With this guy who says, Episode four out of fifty-two in week twenty, because apparently I've missed sixteen weeks. I don't think I've missed sixteen weeks. I need to, uh, need to double check that. I will double check that. Uh, Because I know you talk a lot about social media growth. I think he means like Instagram and things like that. Um, But what about YouTube growth? I don't know if you're talking to the right guy here. I've been doing YouTube for six years, and we just got to thirty-seven thousand followers. um so here's the here's the issue like y- there's so many different uh there's so many different ways to grow your youtube it's it's it it, it it is quite difficult to understand why and how um and by the way just this guy I was just clicking through here. One, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've the nine podcasts this year nine out of Twenty. So I need to catch up eleven in the back end back end of the year. No problem. Um, I I know people who have got YouTube channels with four hundred plus thousand subscribers, but they get maybe ten thousand views more than me, and I've got you know ten times less followers. So th- the way they've got their followers is like big videos, right? Video that gets twenty million views, video that gets whatever ten million views, and from that they'll get fifty thousand subscribers and make a load of money from it. But sometimes with those videos, you get like stragglers and you get people who just click subscribe because they've just seen this one video of yours that boomed and they might not see your videos again. So you kind of come at this, you kind of come into this situation where you've got all these followers, but you don't have the views to represent it. So it becomes like you kind of have less value of your YouTube. Like the value of my YouTube, to be fair, the value of all my social media is pretty high, like pretty high compared to a lot of people because I get really, really good views like for my for my youtube channel i get thirty seven thousand subscribers exactly nearly, but I'll get anywhere from fifteen to twenty two thousand views a video, so you know that's like from fifty to like seventy percent of the viewers, or well, fifty to sixty percent of my subscribers are sort of always watching my video so it's a pretty high like watch to subscriber ratio but then you can get people who have got 500,000 followers and they're getting 60,000 views or 50,000 views and that's obviously a lot less it's like it's a 20 to 30 percent ratio so I'm I'm, I'm doubling what bigger YouTube channels do so in theory if I got to 500,000 subscribers and kept the same rate I should be at like 200,000 300,000 views but obviously it doesn't always work like that so there's a few methods one obviously you just got to be a consistent motherfucker. For two you've got to back up the thumbnails. I think that might be the issue with a lot of these big channels that have gained loads of followers but now have fucking shit views is because they don't have the content to back up that one video that boomed so they get a lot of people who just subscribe and they just forget about them. And they don't view it again because they realize they don't actually like that content, but they don't really want to unsubscribe because they just, no one does that. You know, you just don't look at the channel. You know, I think I subscribe to like 500 channels on YouTube, and I just think, how many of those do I see pop up my recommended? Like seven of them. So if you subscribe to someone, you can very easily forget that because I don't even know how to unsubscribe from people apart from typing in their name, finding it, and then I'm subscribing on YouTube. So they make the unsubscribe process pretty hard. So you could, well, not hard, but harder than say instagram when you just see oh fuck this guy unfollowed done you know so in my opinion the best strategy is just put out the content you want to be known for just put out the content that you want to be great for just be put out the content that you want to put out rather than put out the content that you think people want to see rather than be that person who has to you know every single video is how i did this in two days You know, I swap diets with... Don't get me wrong. I mean, it works for them at the moment. It does. And there's no reason for me to be... There's no reason for anyone to condemn them because they're fucking nailing it. You know what I mean? Like, Matt Does Fitness, Glenn. I swap diets with my sister. I let my son choose this and stuff. And it's like, fair enough. Like, it works. And they're getting loads of views from it. It's slightly different. But you've got to think of something that's going to be sustainable in the long term and, and being 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 pretty real because I think being not you eventually you get tired of that or you get found out you know I think the person that I can think of who's the big who most people will know it be like Logan Paul and Jake Paul maybe 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 Logan Paul more specifically but he was a penis you know and you probably all still have that same opinion of him but if you look at his vlogs now he's matured He's done some amazing things for charity. He's completely changed. He's apologized. He's a very, very thought-provoking guy to listen to, and I love his co- i love his content honestly. And it's so, so different from the crazy vlogs where every single one had to be up from 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 last week. And if you get caught in the cycle of being this person who clickbait's everyone, you know, don't get me wrong, clickbait works. Right, the first and foremost, the first principle of YouTube: get someone to click on the fucking video. Good thumbnail, good title. just back up back it up that's all I'm all that's my only advice is to back it up with the content that that you think you can provide because a lot of people they have the video they have the picture no they have the picture they have the the thumbnail the title and they just don't have the content so people click on and they click off real real quick um I hope that was a little bit but just be consistent We're going to end this one here, guys. If you guys enjoyed, uh, please leave a review. I noticed we're up to like 250 reviews on the podcast app, which is pretty crazy. So leave a review. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear in the future. Hope you enjoyed the new mic. I did. We'll be back very soon, guys. Peace and love, everybody. Goodbye.